This is episode two with Donald Cowper, co-author of the best-selling book, Breaking the Time Barrier and What to Why on how to use books to generate a huge influx of leads and to become the thought leader in the target market that you're trying to serve. Have you ever wondered about what other SaaS companies are doing to grow their business? What channels are they experimenting with? Where are they finding traction? Welcome to How to SaaS, the go-to podcast for growing your cloud software company. I'm your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan. I'm also the CMO of Wild Apricot, the number one membership software for small associations and nonprofits. Each week, we'll bring you interviews with founders, CEOs, and growth leaders who have successfully implemented a growth strategy to help you take your cloud software company to the next level. Are you ready? Let's begin. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode. I'm Shiv Narayanan and I'm super excited about today's guest, Donald Cowper, and our topic of why SaaS companies should write books to become the authority and thought leader for the target market that they are trying to serve and capture. Donald has already done this twice with some amazing results. His first book, Breaking the Time Barrier, which he co-authored with the CEO of FreshBooks, Mike McDermott, has already generated hundreds of thousands of downloads and leads for their software. He's now at ClearFit as the head of content, where he's written yet another book called What to Why with CEO Jamie Schneiderman. I wanted to bring on Donald to discuss what kind of planning went into the writing, the publishing, and the promotion of the books that he's written, and what kind of traction resulted from the campaigns. In this episode, you'll learn the answers to the following questions. Why publish books? What's the strategy? How does the content support the strategy? How do you market and promote a book to achieve your objectives? And how do you make the content shareable to get it into the hands of as many people as possible? We'll cover lots more as we get into the conversation, so let's jump right in. Here's my interview with Donald. All right, welcome to the show, Donald. How are you doing today? Oh, great. Uh, it's great to connect with you, Shiv, and thank you so much for having me and uh, looking forward to spending the next little bit of time with you and hopefully sharing my experience and uh, things I've learned to, to help people. Awesome. Um, and so I thought we'd uh, start things off by telling the listeners a little bit more about you. I know the, the topic is to go into how software companies should be writing books, but let, let's go a little bit more into your history, where you started and how all this uh, came about. Yeah, for sure. So I've actually got quite a long history in this thing that we call content marketing. Uh, and it goes back to uh, when I became the first content marketer at a company called Lava Life. Some of the listeners may know that as an online dating company. Uh, and I actually, believe it or not, wrote a dating advice column for a few years. So uh, anyway, after my uh, Lava Life days, I went on to co-author a couple of business books that were published by John Wiley, and uh, they went on to eventually become bestsellers. And I know in the intro, we said that uh, I joined FreshBook at some point, and I managed a blog there and co-authored uh, Breaking a Time Barrier, uh, which is a book for freelancers on how to unlock their true learning potential. Uh, and that had, uh, you know, within the first three months, 130,000 downloads. Um, you know, I don't know if they've gone public with what it is now, but I know the number is quite staggering because that, uh, that number's, uh, that was 2012. So that's, uh, quite, quite a while ago and it just kept going. And, and a number like that is really unheard of in terms of uh, a software company publishing a book or any any type of material, really, the number of leads that come in is you're lucky to be in the thousands, let alone the hundreds of thousands. 
Uh, yeah, and uh, I mean, for any publisher, I mean, of course, this was uh, was a free book, but those numbers just to get that kind of readership uh, is great. Um, and mm. uh, you know, it had some pretty big names praising it, like uh, Tim Ferriss, who the best-selling author of the Four Hour Work Week, and Daniel Pink, uh, the uh, author of a number of books, including Drive, and just maybe familiar with that. So just to get uh, the praise and endorsement from from those people. Uh, was mm-hmm. quite something. And, and, and uh, from that, that's incredible, by the way, just getting that kind of reach and those kinds of influencers endorsing a, a publication by a software company. Um, and from what I understand, FreshBooks is still using it as a lead generation tool, right? I, yeah, if, uh, I believe if you go to their blog, uh, you'll, you'll get something to, telling you about the book. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, I like to say books are the, uh, the gift they keep on giving. If you do a, a, you know, a book that your audience finds valuable, uh, it can just keep going years, uh, you know, for years really. Um, so, uh, you know, so long as there's nothing that dates it and the content is valuable, and of course that's kind of up to you if you're producing a book to to look for opportunities where the content has that kind of evergreen potential. Yeah, and then just quickly, just to uh, wrap uh, wrap up my little uh, bio here and where I am now. So now I'm, I'm at, uh, at ClearFit, and I'm heading up content here, and we're a SaaS company, uh, and uh, you know we specialize in delivering critical missing information that empowers business leaders to answer what we say are previously unanswerable questions about their people uh, to improve performance and build their teams. Uh, Personally, it's an exciting opportunity for me to be in this space and here at this company. Uh, and near the end of uh, last year, I co-authored uh, ClearFit's ebook "What to Why" with uh, the founder and CEO Jamie Schneiderman. And that's a book for uh, business leaders on uh, a fundamental shift that is happening and how top leaders are building world-class teams. And it's been doing fantastic for us, and uh, we know that it's quickly spreading among business leaders, you know, across the world. So. As I said, I'm a big believer in storytelling, and uh, as we've seen with these two examples, with uh, ebooks in particular, to help grow, uh, you know, a SaaS company uh, or you know, really any company, but the ones that I've been involved with recently are SaaS. Um, and uh, as I said, I like to call them the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah, that's that's no, that's some great background. Um, so I imagine there are some list, listeners in the audience that are thinking, okay, um, a book sounds great, but you know we have our blog or YouTube channel or uh, podcast or whatever it might be that's generating some leads for us, and uh, we do a lot of outbound sales activities that are uh, that are bringing in some MQLs that our sales team qualifies even further. So why even go this route? Why, why even invest the time, the the people, the the you know, it's really an impact on your cost of acquisition too, because it takes a long time to write a book. So why even bother with a book in the first place? Yeah, well, that's a that's a good question. You know, a book can play a role in a number of strategies. You know, and and be a real powerful asset for you. Uh, you know, you look at you know brand building brand awareness, uh, creating uh, demand. You know, demand generation, lead generation, strengthening relationships with uh, you know existing. Uh, clients and customers and that kind of customer loyalty. Um, you know, those sort of four areas, a single asset can actually uh, work in all of those. And certainly, uh, you know, how you do 
how you promote the book and uh, and certain things you do can flex in one area or another. And obviously, in particular, if you if you're trying to capture contact information at a gate, you know, for people to download the book, if they've got to give you that kind of contact information, you will you will give up uh, a certain number of people that would otherwise have uh, gotten the book. So that's a trade off between brand awareness and lead generation. A single book can play in all in all of those areas. And we're using it right now primarily as a, a lead generator, uh, but it's been, uh, I'm talking about what to why now, but it's been a great brand builder for us. I should probably clarify right up front that uh, neither book mentions a product or service. Uh, they're uh, both pure value add. Uh, they're entertaining and uh, you know educational stories that have value to the people that we're trying to build relationships with. And when you've got a book that your target audience finds valuable, uh, you know, they're going to talk about it. They're going to share it. And that's a great way for uh, you to reach more people and get more people aware of, uh, of your company. Um, so uh, the other thing with uh, building brand and getting people more familiar with who you are is it's not just about the book. It's about the opportunities the book opens up for you, uh, like speaking engagements, for example. So that's that been happening quite a bit uh, for us with What to Why. And since the book came out, uh, my co-author, Jamie Schneiderman, we've got him on the road, uh, you know, quite a bit. And he's, uh, he seems to be speaking a few places a month now, speaking somewhere next, next week, the week after, and the week after. And that's really the book that's created those opportunities. Also, when he speaks, the, the book is a giveaway. He's done book signings. And again, I say it's, it is the gift that keeps on giving. He, you know, he'll, he'll, speak on and use this book for some time to come. So that's, you know, just building brand awareness in terms of demand generation. What to why is really a book about getting business leaders to think differently about how they're solving the challenges they have in creating high performing teams. That happens to be uh, an area where we have some expertise. So getting them to think differently about how they're solving a problem, seeing that it comes from ClearFit, piques their interest and curiosity and is something that, uh, you know, we hope encourages them to take a look at us, and we've seen that happen. We talked a little bit about lead generation. It's not just capturing contact information at a gate, though, because uh, inside the book, there are calls to action to explore further uh, and to reach out to us and, uh, and continue a dialogue. So when leads come in that way, those are, you know, quite qualified. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, I think the the point that really uh, hits home for me is the fact that the book opens up opportunities that previously were unavailable. Uh, with us at Wild Apricot right now, um, th- we serve nonprofits and small associations, so we've been trying to go to a lot of uh, conferences and get some exhibitor booths and all that. But uh, the best way to leverage a booth is to actually be on the stage speaking and getting those speaking opportunities when you don't have uh, let's say a topic to speak about or somebody that's there, uh, it's a lot harder, right? So, uh, having the book can actually be used as a tool to generate a lot of leads through previously, uh, unavailable avenues for traction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, a book, uh, you know, it just establishes you, uh, as a thought leader. And, uh, and just like you say, the way you described it is right. It just opens up those opportunities, you know, with, Without a book, it's much harder to, to get those kind of speaking engagements and um, even, uh, you know, it helps with PR and um, people, re- you know, uh, will talk about your book, they review your book. Uh, it's 
opportunities to contribute, contribute content to places. Uh, it's just, you know, having that asset there, yeah, it opens up, mm -hmm. it opens up opportunities all over the place. So before we go into, you know, how do you create a book like this, let, let's go a little bit deeper into this uh, thought leader uh, avenue. Uh, one of the things that we have uh, at Wild Apricot is an influencer network within the nonprofit uh, or small association universe. And um, we're trying to establish a lot of partnerships with them, but often we run into this roadblock of having a piece of content. Uh, you mentioned at FreshBooks that you guys were able to get someone with the weight of, let's say, Tim Ferriss on board. So how, do, how does something like that come about? You write the book, but how do you get it to, into the hands of Tim Ferriss to be able to endorse it? Well, that's a great question. People, I get people ask that uh, a lot. That, you know, that actually had a lot to do with uh, the co-author, Mike uh, uh, McDermott, the founder and CEO of, uh, of FreshBooks. Yeah, tapping into his network. So you mm. want to, you know, uh, you want to tap into, you know, the networks you have and the connections you have. Uh, and of course, it uh, the other side of it is that is producing a piece of work that, uh, you know, somebody like that is going to is going to say something about and say something positive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and in terms of PR, I mean, uh, let's say you have this book ready. How are you um, getting it out there uh, into different publications as like a tool to increase awareness about your brand or the or or, or the book itself? There's just lots of ways to you know, to promote the book, there's uh, reaching out to, to people is one thing. I know that, uh, uh, fresh books, you know, they have, would have had an existing network of, of influencers and reaching out to them and, uh, those people sort of willingly review the book, but the book kind of spread on its own too. And people just on their own took the initiative to review the book. And if, you know, you Google it, you'll, you know, you'll see links all over the place to reviews. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. OK. Uh, so why don't you talk a little bit more about, you know, uh, how do you actually start something like this? Like, how do you decide what the topic is or uh, how long to make it or how deep to go into the into the discussion and you know, how to frame the the solution that you're coming up with? Like, For example, breaking the time barrier. I think the answer is don't bill per hour, bill per uh, bill by the value that you're providing to the client. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the content, because I really do think a lot of the answers to uh, to making a book work for you do actually come down to the content. Probably the first thing I do is I look to address the biggest pain point that I can in the target audience. You basically want to do the biggest book possible. And so to think big, but think big in terms of uh, what is the biggest thing that they're struggling with that that we can help them with. So, um, you know, for breaking the time barrier and trying to reach freelancers, because that was the uh, audience, perhaps the hardest thing for a freelancer is figuring out what to charge for their services. Uh, you know, it's, it's, that is really agoniz agonizing. Uh, and I was out on my own for a few years and I know what that was like. Um, and most people have a tendency to undercharge and usually they do that because they need the business and they don't want to lose out to a competitor. So it becomes, Kind of a vicious cycle uh, where they're undercharging, and of course, because they're undercharging, they're they're suffering. So that's the pain point that breaking the time barrier addresses. Um, and what to why? Uh, you know, we looked at well, we want to reach uh, business leaders, and one of the hardest things for a business leader to do is build a great team um, and the kind of team that will help them achieve ambitious goals. 
building a team is uh, has always been uh, exceptionally hard. Uh, it's hard for business leaders to find top performers, hard to develop them, hard to keep them, you know. And so most leaders have teams where you know, only a handful of people uh, are really performing at a high level. Uh, you know, usually you know, you've got sometimes people that are performing three three times or five times uh, the level of uh, others on the team. Uh, so when you've got this kind of lopsided team, that's a uh, and that's the pain point that what to why addresses. So you, know, you want to hit the biggest thing that you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how do you address that pain with the content of the book? Like what is, how do you structure the book? Like how do you even begin uh, to address something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, once you identify the pain you want to solve, uh, you know, the next challenge is to try to, is to look at how I'm going to solve this for them in uh in a new way. You want to open their eyes to something that they either haven't seen or if they've or if they're familiar with it, they don't really know how to how to how to do it, how to go about it. Um so you know that's not an easy thing to do and I found that uh you know, that's where I've spent a lot of my sort of time and effort in developing both those books. And that's because in both cases the readers uh are pretty sophisticated. Uh in the case of breaking the time barrier readers you know, the readership is freelancers and people are freelancers precisely because they're exceptionally good at something, you know, whether that's web design or IT or programming or brand consulting, whatever. Um, so these are pretty sophisticated, experienced, uh, smart people by and large. Uh, and in the case of what to why, the, uh, you know, the readers are senior business leaders. That's people in C-suite roles or VPs, uh, people with decades of experience. So the question is, how do you teach uh, you know, a, a smart, sophisticated, experienced person, something. Um, and the only way that uh, I see that you can do that successfully is to consider them peers. And, and that the only difference between, uh, me and the people I'm trying to reach is that, you know, uh, as a writer, uh, it's that, you know, we've got the benefit of experience in a particular area that they might not have. So it becomes an experience share. Um, you know, in the case of breaking the time barrier, that experience was moving away, uh, as you said, from a model where uh, you know, you're pricing your services by the hour to pricing according to the value. And that is something that can dramatically uh, increase your income. And uh, that was uh, also something that Mike had uh, experience with in, uh, in his uh, opening letter in the book. You know, he Describes how uh, he made two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen days as a web designer and used that to fund FreshBooks in the early days. Um, so, right. uh, you know, but going ahead to do that, uh, even if you're aware of of the concept, uh, it's hard to make that change because there's so much pressure um, to, to 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 you know get business to compete with others. And, if, and freelancers feel that pressure all the time. So basically, the book was uh, taking them on a journey to open their eyes to show them how they can do that. And it's probably not the way you, you might think about it. It's not just about slapping on a, a bigger price tag. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right. So, so sorry. Before before we continue, so I just want to highlight a point that you mentioned is um, a big part of this is you know getting into the skin of the customer, and uh, you you kind of started off with this big pain point thing, but also. You, you and Mike had lived through, uh, the same pain that your, uh, future readers would be 
uh, are already going through and that you're trying to address with the book and that makes it a little bit easier to write? Oh, it, it absolutely does. Um, I think, and as I said, it really is about, you know, you really is about ex- sharing experience. And, you know, we, when we tell stories, that's what we do. We share experience, which is different than thinking about, uh, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you how to do something. I'm going to preach to you, uh, and give you advice. Uh, mm-hmm. so it's an experience share. Uh, and I say, hey, you know, I was in your shoes or here was somebody in your shoes. Uh, and here's, uh, you know, how they're wrestling with the, the really challenging problems that you have. And they're doing the best that they can and they're taking smart strategies. But there's something that they haven't considered. And you basically want to give them everything that they're doing right. Uh, and then hopefully open their eyes up to something that they haven't and that's right really, and, that, and that's founded in your experience your experience is opening up uh, an avenue that they previously haven't thought of right yeah so yeah just and um, quickly so like with what to why i mean that was based on uh sharing a story that um uh was was basically emblematic of the type of story that jamie was familiar with and working with thousands of leaders and these were uh leaders who were building some of the you know world's best teams highest performing teams and they were taking a fundamentally different approach to looking at people. So it was showing, uh, you know, leaders who might not be familiar with this approach uh, and showing them, hey, this is how other people are doing it. All right. No, that's, that's awesome. Uh, we've actually tried to write a book here, Wild Apricot, for our audience. And initially what we did was we were t- repurposing some of our webinars, uh, they're the transcripts from them, into some sort of an, a book that we could put together. But then as we started talking to more and more of our customers, reading some surveys, what we really found is that people need help with marketing in the association universe. And us being a marketing team, it seems like it's such an obvious thing. Okay, just put up a landing page and drive leads from there. But for uh, a person who is an association executive of, let's say, a law association, the last thing they know is about marketing, right? And so opening up their mind to the idea that, hey, marketing can actually be used to uh, reach more members that can join your law association and w- what does that marketing look like is is along the lines of what you're saying right now. Yeah. I, I mean, if they're struggling with something and you can help them, uh, that's, that's what's going to make the difference, right? That's what's going to help you build a relationship with them. So yeah, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so how would you take them on that journey with, with the book itself? Well, uh, you know, one thing, um, I think is, is really key is to create uh, an awesome experience. And uh, and that's what I look at when I'm looking at a book. I'm not looking at it as an exercise as, oh, this is what I want to tell you, and uh, here's the information that you need. That's not going to do it. It's going to be an experience that they have. You want them to feel something uh, and uh, – when they when they read the book and engage in it and it tap, tapping into sort of a deeper experience, um, so that's what I, I look at and uh, you know I, I, we get into sort of more details on that. But the reason you do that is because books spread by word of mouth, and that's uh, you know you asked that question uh, earlier about how you get a book out there and promoting it and all of that. I mean, there's things you can do for that. We can talk a little bit about uh, what we've done uh, with uh, with those books. Uh, but books spread by word of mouth. That's it. Um, that's the number one way books have always spread. Uh, it's the number one way 
even today in our in our world uh, how that happens. So if you make your goal to create a great book that people will enjoy and feel compelled to share with each other, uh, that's uh, that's going to do the job for you. Um, and a couple of things uh, about that are is to make it ed- entertaining and educational. And the primary way I do that is by telling a story. Um, and, you know, people love stories. If you can hook them with a good one, take them on an exciting journey, uh, you'll find that uh, the book uh, can be a growth engine for your business. Um, the other, you know, thing uh, I'll say quickly now is that um, uh, is to make it as uh, long as it needs to be and as short as possible. Uh, you know, we all like to say that people don't read, uh, but the truth is there are lots of people who do read. Uh, the thing is, nobody likes to read something they're not getting anything out of. Um, mm-hmm. and people really don't care about the length of a piece of content. They care about whether it uh, grips them and takes them on, uh, you know, an exciting journey. So you read a 300-word post that bores you to death. Uh, that's going to feel, feel way longer than a 3,000-word post that grips you from beginning to end. I've tried to make uh, both books as short as I possibly can. Uh, and uh, and pack with value. So breaking the time barrier is something uh, you can read in uh, under an hour. And that's why, actually, uh, I, uh, as I get older, I try to make them even shorter. So that's uh, a 20-minute read. Right. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I think uh, you're seeing this trend more and more. I think the uh, the old philosophy is, you know, a, book, a good book is supposed to be really long, right? And I think with... Uh, the, the, the way marketing is transforming things. Like a really good author that I follow is Seth Godin. I mean, he has so many books that are under 100 pages. Some of them are like 60 pages and you can just zip through them, right? And then it's there's so much wisdom in it versus books that sometimes that are 300 pages and they're often repeating some of the same messages over and over again. And then you're like, okay, I get it. I mean, we can move on, right? So the brevity, the value is in the brevity. Yeah, and uh, if you can give somebody something that they can sit down with and at 20 minutes half an hour 40 minutes an hour whatever the case is and they're getting value out of that and that's going to make them think differently about their life and their business uh then uh yeah that's a valuable experience and that's something people are going to talk about it's um you know it's often easier to write a longer book uh but when you take all the fluff out and you just uh you know start with value um you know you you want to keep it short right Right. Okay. So that makes sense. So let's, let's get to the story part. So now you, you decided to make it just as short as, or as long as it needs to be, but now what's the story? How are we pulling them in? How are we getting this core message across? It's important to understand, you know, the science of story. And that's something kind of I've, I've really studied, right? So, and the reason you do stories because people are hard, hardwired for it. So, uh, there was actually a recent study by a professor at Princeton who discovered something truly fascinating. Uh, he looked at what was happening inside the brains of listeners, you know, when someone was telling them a series of facts uh, versus telling them a story. Uh, and, uh, you know, when the listener heard the series of facts, only one area of their brain lit up. Uh, and that was the area that processes language. But when they were listening to a story, their brain lit up all over the place. Uh, you know, that was the areas that govern motor, motor control, the senses, our emotions, and all those areas, uh, you know, totally lit up. The more fascinating thing was the fact that they lit up exactly the same way uh, the brain of the storyteller lit up. So they were in perfect harmony, and they, this is what they called neural coupling. Uh, and so, you know, one of the lessons from this is that uh, you have to be cautious about 
communicating with people in ways other than stories. And stories is, uh, you know, that's how we connect. And if you want to connect with your people, uh, that's what you want to do. Um, so I think just to, you know, I want to emphasize that point is that, you know, you're really looking to engage somebody in, uh, and their, their full brain and how they experience the world. So you want to tap into, uh, into emotions and senses and things like that. Um, but the other thing I, uh, I look to do is, is to make sure you pick the right, uh, the right hero. Uh, and, uh, and that really comes down to, uh, I mean, you can start off on, on the wrong foot and make a very bad mistake. And that is sort of typically done. Uh, so, uh, you know, someone who's written, uh, uh, you know, successful books, people are always coming up to me and telling me they want to write a book. Uh, and they're always very excited about their idea, which is, uh, you know, some solution or method they've discovered. Uh, and of course, that's what their book is going to be about, this fantastic solution. And whenever somebody starts that way, they always end up making uh, a mistake, which is they make this, their solution the hero of the story. Uh, and when they do that, all they end up doing is sounding preachy and alienating the reader. So, you know, my advice is to make uh, the hero of your story the champion of the current way of doing things, the way they are currently trying to solve their problem, because that's where your reader is now. So, you know, they're doing something the best way they know how, and the story is really their journey of discovering a better way. It's, you know, it's always the hero of a story who is the one with something to learn. It's the hero who grows. Uh, you know, the other thing about, you know, why you tell a story about somebody else, and that somebody else is somebody your reader can identify with, because it's a way of inviting them into the piece of content. It's not, it's not me telling you, the reader, what to do. I'm showing you how somebody did it. And you kind of leave it up to them to make that identification or not. Uh, and, uh, you know, which is very different than, uh, you know, me saying, hey, Shiv, uh, do these five things. And you're going to be like, well, why? Uh, but if I tell you a story about somebody who did it, um, that's really become you know that really becomes the proof point, and that's kind of less less threatening to to people. Uh, just tell them a story, let them make the identification, and some people don't make the identification. That's fine, you know. But um, if you pick the right hero and somebody who shares their experience, they'll go along, uh, you know, with you for that. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to just highlight something you said, which is. Uh we often make the solution the hero of the story. And actually, it's not just in books. I mean, when you go on the websites of a lot of fast companies, they're really pitching their software and the features. And whereas really what you need to figure out is uh, where is the person who's reading this on their journey and what is the transformation that they can achieve with your software being just a part of that journey? Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's, that's exactly right. You have to think about it in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of a journey. So if I just give you, uh, you know, quick examples to sure. maybe make it come to life a little bit, uh, for people. So in breaking a time barrier, um, you know, that, that's a story about a, uh, freelancer named Steve who starts off by pricing services by the hour and he believes that's the only way that people pay for his services. And, you know, throughout the story, he throws up every possible objection about why uh, value-based pricing won't work for him. And he does that until he's kind of finally worn down and accepts that, hey, yeah, there probably is a better way. Uh, and once he does that, you know, his business is transformed. And people can identify with 
uh, Steve because they're they are like Steve, you know, and it's exciting to follow uh, Steve's journey and imagine themselves making uh, similar transformation. Um, you know, and what to why the hero is based on somebody we know. That's a successful director of sales who got recruited to be a VP of sales at a software company. Uh, and that was an exciting opportunity for him um, because he was a successful director and you know, who built high-performing teams. Uh, he saw this as a chance to become more successful at a larger scale. And the story is about how he takes on, uh, takes over a sales team that is lopsided, like most teams, as he said. Uh, and he applies everything he knows in his experience, all these smart strategies uh, to build the kind of leading team uh, that he's had in the past. And then he discovers the one thing he doesn't have uh, to pull it off is enough time. Uh, he can build a great team, he thinks. Uh, but not within the time frame the CEO wants, uh, and that because and that's because it takes some time to hire people and discover who really is capable of becoming a high performer. And the story is, you know, his discovery of, uh, of basically looking at looking at the problem in a different way and seeing that it's not a time problem; it's an information problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what both stories have in common, and I think this is uh, you know, this is something I, I kind of spend a lot of time on is is the most exciting story that you can do for somebody is, you know, a paradigm shift story is to take them from one way of looking at something and open their eyes to another way. Uh, and that's, that's the case in both those books. It's taking uh, you know, a freelancer from one way of running his business to uh, a completely different way uh, of looking at his business and the same with uh, in what to why with leaders building a team. So look at those opportunities where how are, the people that you're trying to reach, looking at the world and what what is flawed about that? Not what not you know what's dumb about it, but what's flawed about it? What is it that they're not looking at? What is it that they're not aware of? And how can you open their eyes to something? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. You know, uh, I so I kind of think it's uh, valuable to spend the time uh, you know looking. Looking for those opportunities in what you can uh, what you can offer people. So, are you going to ask? No, no, it's okay. Please continue. Yeah. So, I mean, you asked sort of a bit more sort of structurally how you do it. The answer there is to tell. I, I look at it and I tell the story backwards, um, and that was one of the key things to both those books uh, is to um, is I'm looking to create an experience and to, uh, and to do that. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's telling the story the, sort of the opposite way your instincts would tell you. Um, so as a as a writer, I know what it is I want to tell you. But if I tell you right up front, uh, you know, you'll either not believe me or you won't see any meaning in it. So what I have to do is create this journey of discovery. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, it's a difference, I say, between just, just telling somebody uh, you know, bullet points and bullet points and, and advice, you know, that's kind of forgettable. Um, so it's like in, uh, you know, in movies, great films are always about people discovering something. So that when you take a look at uh, The Empire Strikes Back, it would have been so much easier for George Lucas to tell you right up front who Darth Vader really is. I mean, that's what, <laughs> right, that's yeah. what he needs to tell you. I mean, that's where he starts to, that's where he starts in his head. Oh, I've got this idea. Uh, but what he does is he makes you spend uh, basically almost the entire movie trying to get you there, right? There, right before he gives you the big reveal, and 
uh, you know, it comes, I think, pretty much uh, at the 15 minutes to go in the movie. Imagine doing that, right? This is what I want to tell you, but I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, let you spend an hour and 45 minutes or two hours. I can't remember exactly how long the movie is. Uh, enjoying this exciting journey and drama, and then I'm going to hit you with this. So whatever it is you want to tell your readers, that's the thing you hold back, and you have to create something for them uh, that where when that comes out, that big reveal, uh, it's an aha moment, and that has value, and it has impact. And, you know, at that point, that has meaning for them in their lives. And, you know, we're talking about business books. Uh, of course, uh, you know, it's, you're not going to make a, a book as exciting as The Empire Strikes Back, but I, <laughs> I, I try to create uh, that kind of feeling where you're enjoying something, you're on the, you're on a bit of a ride, and then all of a sudden, wow, you get hit by something that makes you that makes you wow. This I didn't think of it like this, but this all makes sense now. It makes uh, you know when you get that reveal and uh, and I won't make it a spoiler because there's some people that don't haven't seen the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you get that, it makes the rest of the movie make sense in a different way. I think I think it's safe to ruin the movie if somebody hasn't seen it by now. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're really doing is you're building an experience for uh, someone who is kind of unaware of that, that this pain point exists, or maybe they're aware of it and they're not sure how to solve it. And by the end, you kind of want them to kind of to see the light, right? Um, and my, my transition here, the transition question is to figure out, okay, so they see the light, but uh, at the end of the day, we are content marketers, right? So they're CEOs and CMOs listening to this wondering, okay, how do, how do, how do I bring this all back to the, to the software, right? And you mentioned that you're not really mentioning the product in the book, right? So what does that look like? How do you connect it back? Yeah, uh, so that's a, a great question. I mean, first, the, the first thing you have to do in building a relationship with somebody is, uh, is to create trust uh, and to add value. And that's where it all starts. So the book is, uh, that's what, you know, the vehicle is for. That's what the book is for, is let's do this. Let's create thought leadership that people are going to respond to. And then they're going to be like, well, uh, who are these people that are putting this out? If if I can have this kind of experience with uh, with just reading a piece of content, I bet they can help me in other ways. So mm -hmm. you, know, you start to you start to be of value to them, and they're going to want more of that. And uh, and it really is it's a way of showing rather than telling. Instead of just saying, "Hey, we can help you," it's a way just go ahead and help them and help them by giving them a book that that they uh, that they get something from. And like I said, they'll make that connection with, "Wow, uh, I bet you this company has something else to offer me." And that may be other content, uh, and uh, it may also, of course, be the actual product and service. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, th th there's a bit of a duality with me personally. I mean, uh, the direct response marketer in, in me is like, but man, what is the connection or what is the return on uh, on producing this piece of content? But I think there is a lot to say on the thought leadership side and awareness side, because maybe you're capturing a lot of people that are even, you know, pre buyer journey stages into your universe. But the fact that they have interacted with something of such high value with you, uh, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but, you know, a year from now, when they do run into some sort of a thought around this, they'll come to you first. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. And of course, uh, sometimes it's, uh, uh, you know, another thing with a book is sometimes it's a door opener. 
sometimes it's the first thing that uh, somebody will experience from you. And if you do a great book uh, and they have a great experience, that's a wonderful first touch. Uh, but uh, it's also, you know, you can use the book sort of further down the funnel, so to speak, if people come to you in other ways and the book is, uh, uh, you know, a bit more of a relationship builder. But of course, it's the other the other things that you do and the other content that you do uh, that can lead them from, you know, the, the, the value add to the thought leadership all the way to learning a little bit more about uh, your company. But you've got to start somewhere. And the book is a great door opener. Uh, if they like that content, um, you know, then, you know, we do things like we've got a content nurturing stream. So people will sign up for, uh, you know, for a regular uh, email newsletter that uh, comes out. And, you know, that's another way to just keep the relationship going. And often people will open that and then they'll click through and they'll explore the, what, what else we do, go to the website, um, you know, mm. request a demo and, uh, and it goes all the way down there. Right, right. Um, and you know, also there's, we've been doing these expert webinars with Wild Apricot where, you know, we're bringing on these influencers and, you know, they're great. And a lot of people, we get about a thousand registrants every single time we do one, but there's something about a book, you know, within just public perception, a book does definitely have more, uh, more authority attached to it. You know, if you become, if you publish something, then people do want to, for example, have you on their stage versus every software company puts out a webinar, right? So to go to a, a great conference and say, we want to speak because we have some great webinars, it's a far harder uh, pitch, right? So you can, you can leverage it in many more ways because of the authority it's giving you. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, people also, uh, you know, the, they're inclined to trust you and believe you more when you're not always just talking about your product and service. Right? Mm-hmm. Like what else? Who are you? You know, and a book is really an uh, it's an opportunity to put a, a personality to and a face that is just beyond. You know, we're, all we do is yap about uh, our product and service and how great we are. Uh, and this is just a, a you know a way to. To extend who you are and uh, and share your experience and people, like you said, and you know, stories are a way to connect with people. Uh, and that's you know, a book is, as I said, a, a great way to to begin and make that connection and deepen it. So, um, mm-hmm. right, well, that's that's awesome. Um, so okay, so I, I I think we get it. I mean, make, writing the book, the the journey, and all the that makes complete sense. Um, how do you how do you actually promote the book? How do you get it into the hands of many people? I know we discussed some of this influencer stuff, but uh, can you go into your thoughts about you know software companies being publishers? Yeah, I, for sure. I think the first thing uh, I'll just say is a kind of a large sort of blanket statement. The first thing uh, to think about in terms of marketing, promoting the book is other stages is to act like a publisher. Uh, and in both, uh, you know, the FreshBooks book and the Clearfoot book, um, that's, what, that's what we did. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, a few things. One is simply to make uh, as high a quality book as you can in terms of the content and design. Uh, and, you know, both, and that's because you want a book that a, a traditional publisher would publish. If you can look at your book and say, hey, you know, this is something that John Wiley would publish, uh, you know, then, then we're on, we're on the right track. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously in terms of my own background, I was a professional writer, so it made, 
uh, made sense that I could produce the kind of content that a traditional publisher would take. But I would say that there's a huge opportunity uh, right now in the marketplace uh, for brands to be legitimate publishers. And that's actually something that isn't new. And it goes back to the 19th century when John Deere, that's the company that makes uh, farming and construction equipment, began publishing a magazine called The Furrow. And they did that to educate uh, farmers and not, not to sell product. Um, and nowadays, you know, you've got brands like Red Bull. Uh, and as one content marketer put it, uh, Red Bull is really a publishing empire that also happens to sell a beverage. And they've got, uh, they produce TV content around sports. They've got a popular men's lifestyle magazine called the Red Bulletin. Uh, so there's this opportunity, uh, in the marketplace now because traditional media is struggling. They're laying off writers and journalists, uh, and they're doing that at an unprecedented rate. And many of these journalists are making a transition to brands doing content marketing. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of you, you know, may know that Tesla hired a veteran journalist to be its lead writer, and Qualcomm uh, hired the technology reporter at USA Today to be the editor and uh, editor in chief at its online magazine. And these are these are sort of bigger name examples, but it's happening all the way down at, at sort of all levels in the marketplace. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. And if I could jump in, I mean, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, who many people know very well, uh, with his talks on social media, uh, he always says, you know, no matter what business you're in, the position that you're trying to establish in the marketplace is to become the go-to publisher of content for your audience that just happens to sell something else, like you were talking about with Red Bull. And it also connects with a good TED Talk that I've heard, uh, uh, and there's also a book on it called uh, Start With Why, and uh, where Simon Sinek talks about, you know, Apple making a phone doesn't seem outrageous because they always start with the why about, you know, building this kind of world that Apple is all about. And then they kind of say, oh, by the way, we also sell uh, phones or computers and all those things. Whereas a lot of other companies like Dell making a phone seems absolutely crazy because they start with saying what they sell. Hey, we sell computers. So when they say we're selling a phone, it doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And it's and it's the same type of thinking. It's, in, it's making the investment in in being larger than the product and service and making investment in pro- professional uh, content uh, producers because, um, you know, they say when the, there's this opportunity in the marketplace, there's, uh, there's a lot of this talent out there that can help you because these are people that know how to connect with an audience. That's what they've done in, uh, you know, in traditional media. They're not ad copywriters. They're not skilled or, or experienced at promoting products directly. But what they do know is they do know how to connect with people. Uh, and what they enjoy is they enjoy uh, learning and sharing experience and educating. Uh, and it just so happens that doing that is a great way to build your brand. Um, so I think, uh, you know, some of the companies out there can start looking at the talent that's out there because uh, you know, there's, there's a shift to, from uh, traditional media to brand publishing. Um, and uh, it's a great opportunity for, for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. the other thing about uh, acting like a publisher, as I said, is uh, you want to design uh, an attractive product, something that looks like a real book. Uh, and there's a, because uh, book design is a specialty. Uh, we actually hired uh, Clearfit, a professional book designer. Um, actually, uh, a story uh, from deep in my past when I uh, wanted to produce a book. Uh, and then I just thought I could get a, you know, hire a, uh, any old designer, 
Um, and he was a product designer and he made the book look like a cereal box. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. so yeah, book design is something, uh, you know, uh, it's a specialty. It takes, uh, it takes a lot of experience to know how to produce a great uh, cover and, and an interior. You know, we also worked with uh, professional copy editors and proofreaders. Uh, and like I said, you want in the end for it to be something uh, that a traditional publisher would do. And the reason you do that is, again, because books spread by word of mouth. And people will, you know, look at the product and they'll make a judgment call. And if it looks like and acts like and it, it delivers the kind of value that they're going to get in any other book, they will treat it that way. They will treat you like a traditional publisher. Uh, with breaking the time barrier, one of the things uh, I remember being like pleasantly surprised one day when someone told me, hey, did you know that uh, breaking the time barrier is on Goodreads? I, I didn't. Oh. And people people added it to Goodreads. They started sharing it. They were reviewing it. As far as they were con concerned, this is, you know, they were treating it like any other book that they would read. Right. And, and just, you know, we didn't do that. That was the reason for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and I, I want to highlight this point a little bit because I think when many people think about writing a book, I mean, you know, with the concept of minimal viable products and things like that, it's very tempting to put together just a PDF that has like a decent cover, but it looks like, you know, an Adobe PDF document versus something that can actually look like a binded, well-designed, professionally published book. Um, and there's some great examples of this even in the internet marketing world. A really good marketer named uh, Russell Brunson, the top of the funnel for him is a book called uh, 108 uh, Split Test Winners, and it's a really professionally binded book. But his target audience actually orders it, and they ship it to him uh, by mail uh, to instead of it being some uh, a download online, right? So, and that really adds to the cachet of this, you know, becoming this thought leader. A thought leader doesn't publish a book as just a PDF that looks like it's been done on on, on Adobe. Uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, I'm going to keep coming back to it, and it's because. Books spread by word of mouth. People share books, and they, you want them. You want to make it something that they're proud to share. Uh, and just the, everything you do in terms of the content and what it looks like, uh, invest the time in that because uh, if you fall short there, it, it's just not, not uh, the legs. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about word of mouth is well. We now live in uh, in a digital online uh, world. Uh, you know, with social networks and social media, uh, and that's where, you know, word of mouth happens. So, um, it was actually an interesting thing in, uh, uh, when I was at, uh, FreshBooks working on breaking the time barrier. So, uh, actually, two people had this idea. Why don't we make some of the lines in the, in the book tweetable? Uh, and so I think if you, Look at breaking the time barrier. There are maybe seven or eight lines in the book that people can click. Just mm -hmm. one click, and all of a sudden it goes out. Um, so you want to enable that kind of word of mouth and those tweets. And there, that was I, I think that was the biggest driver for the book was the tweets that people did. Uh, it was just one of those ideas that that just made things happen. The fact that we had those. I hate to think of you know if that book didn't have those uh, tweetable lines. What would have happened? Yeah, that's it's great. It's, it's kind of like the the thing at the bottom of. Uh, Hotmail when it first came out, right? You know, get your free email account at Hotmail, and that's kind of how Hotmail blew up. Well, exactly. Sometimes it's just it's just like the power of an idea. Uh, so the book, the book itself, and that thing with uh, with what to why the book itself is 
uh, an enabler for this word of mouth. You don't want to leave it up to people. Uh, you want to make it really easy for them. The other thing I'll just make sure to say is that the lines that uh, we that people tweeted, you know, we kind of chose them very carefully. Uh, when people tweet, what they're doing is they're expressing themselves. It's a self-expression. So we look for lines in the book that, in the case of Breaking the Time Barrier, that you as a freelancer would identify with. Uh, and so one, I think one of the most popular uh, lines that we had was one that said, um, I'm, the, I'm the accumulation of all my skills and talents. I'm wisdom and creativity. Uh, mm. And that was something that freelancers were like, yes, that's me. And they tweet that, and every tweet that went out that had that had a link back to the book, and that drove other people in their network uh, to the book. You know, and freelancers, uh, it worked for us because freelancers are very active on Twitter. Uh, in the case of What to Why, we've got a different audience. Um, we don't actually see a lot of uh, uh, Twitter action where we see the action as we see it on LinkedIn. Uh, and, you know, that's where typically CEOs and VPs, directors of sales and, uh, you know, uh, people at that, at that level, they use LinkedIn. That's their network. And that's where, uh, you know, we're seeing action with the book. And again, mm -hmm. the book, uh, has share buttons for LinkedIn. Um, so you want to make the book, uh, sh you know, shareable. That, that's, yeah, uh, that piece of advice of the, just a quote itself is, can you repeat that quote just just for the audience? What was the quote? Uh, it's uh, I'm the accumulation of all my skills and talents and wisdom and cre creativity. Right, and you look at that quote, and literally nothing in there is about FreshBooks, right? It's uh, it's entirely about the user, what they identify with, what they are proud of, and and that leads to the shareability versus let's say a feature page or or something about your product is very unlikely to be shared. Like, hey, I use FreshBooks to simplify my invoices. That's likely not getting tweeted out as much, right? So that's that's great well, stuff. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And you know, and what and what to why? One of the aha moments is uh, the reframing of a time problem as an information problem. So that's the you know one of the lines that we have is sometimes a time problem is really an information problem, and it's uh, you know it's just something for people to think about and and to share. It's a bit of wisdom that they can uh, that they can share with uh, their mm -hmm. network. Uh, and again, it's, uh, it's a link back to the book and the book there, you know, everyone's happy to share those types of books because they're, they're not about a product or service. They're about ideas. Right. Uh, and they're about stories. So when it comes to marketing and promoting the book is to, you know, both uh, breaking the time barrier and what to wire publish in multiple forms. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, breaking the time barrier is a digital PDF, as we've talked about. It's also a version uh, for e-readers. There's an audio version, slide share version, and there's actually even uh, a print version. Um, and so far we've published, uh, you know, what to why is a digital uh, PDF and a print book. You know, in fact, for us, the print book has been a very powerful asset uh, because I mentioned, you know, we're doing uh, speaking, we're going to, uh, we do a lot of field marketing, we go to conferences and having a physical book um, uh, is a great asset there. Uh, and that's how thousands of people have, uh, have been exposed to the book and discovered the book. Um, so, yeah, you know, the other thing is, uh, there's so many, uh, print, uh, you know, organizations out there. We use one that can, uh, produce a book and do it, turn around in 48 hours and it looks just like, a uh, professional book from any uh, publisher. Uh, we do it as a pocket-sized book. 
Uh, we want it to be this kind of attractive size. Uh, it, you know, I'll say it looks beautiful. The cover is beautiful. The, the quality of the page uh, just in your hands feels great. Uh, and the other thing is, because it's a short book, it looks uh, really inviting. It looks like something, hey, I, I could just eat. You know, read this in uh, 20 minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, when you're at a conference and people are flying in or taking a cab or limo to the airport, they're going to read it, uh, you know, on their travels. Uh, and that's what's happening. Um, so, uh, using, uh, think in terms of, uh, a print book, uh, if it makes sense for you to do field marketing, if you want to do speaking. Uh, you know, also, um, there's so much happening in the digital space and uh, everyone's inundated. Uh, we've done uh, the book as a mailer because that's a way to penetrate uh, uh, the chaos that people are sort of living with these days. Is not a lot of people get uh, get mail. Uh, right. right. And something of value that they can get, uh, open up, and here's a, a, an attractive product. Um, you know, that there's an opportunity there, too. Yeah, I think I think the key point here is that the book is an investment, right? So if you're going to do it as if you're going to treat it like an investment, then putting in the money into the printing costs of the book or the direct mail campaigns uh, can actually be worth it if you have a strategy around the book to say we're going to leverage it through these mediums. And also from the customer standpoint, you know, um, digitally they interact with so many different pieces of content that uh, having something in the mail introduces a new way of having a relationship with your customer um, and kind of like the surprise and delight thing, but, you know, through the, through their mailbox is completely different than their inbox or on your website through like uh, landing pages and, and whatnot. So uh, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And, and uh, great points. And it looks good on you too, right? To have, to have a book, it's a great calling card. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, people, you know, it's a first impression for a lot right. of people. And, is an attractive product. Uh, you've made a great first impression on somebody. Um, so, uh, you know, and uh, other things that you can do to promote. I mean, uh, there's, you know, companies have lots of uh, ways that they can do it. If you've got a customer base already, as we've got with uh, ClearFit and FreshBooks had, you can promote to your base. Uh, you can promote it on your website. You can even promote promote it through the app. Um, and then, of course, there's all the uh, 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 advertising that you can do, um, and uh, on uh, you know retargeting ads or whatever, or or paid uh, ads through the social media channels, and of course anything free that you can do. We you know we constantly update uh, updates on social media. Um, so there's a, a lot that you can do, a lot at your disposal. Uh, and um, as I've said before, uh, you want to goose the promotion get the get the word out there but uh at the same time if the product uh has value to people it will uh take on a life of its own and it will move for you and it be, be this engine that just continues to drive uh in all sorts of uh, areas for you you know we talked about in the opening you know building your brand and creating demand for what you do uh if if the book is thought leadership in the area that you have expertise in uh, generating leads and um, building relationships with his existing customers. So, right. No, it makes so it makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think we're getting close to wrapping up here, Donald. I mean, I just wanted to go through a few more things. Do you have any closing thoughts before we end the interview? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think uh, I, yeah, I would just say think big. Like 
you know, I mentioned that earlier. What's the biggest book you could do? Uh, and sometimes that might be sort of stepping outside of how you're thinking about what it is you do as a company, as a business. Who are you? Uh, and, and put yourself deep in the shoes of the people you're trying to reach. What are they struggling with? What are they struggling with that, that I uh, and we as a company have unique expertise in? And do the biggest book you can first, the biggest idea you have, the biggest pain point. Uh, you know, big, big, big. Um, I think sometimes, uh, it's, it's easier to start maybe, you know, in your comfort zone. Uh, but that might not be, you know, big enough. Mm-hmm. And last thing, I kind of got this from, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is, uh, Lewis House. He shows appreciation for every guest. So, uh, I want to appreciate you, Donald, for doing this and sharing your thoughts and your experiences because I think, uh, personally, I think every, companies should be doing this and educating their audience and helping them be more successful. Uh, so really appreciate you doing this and taking the time. Uh, yeah, my pleasure. I, I hope it was helpful. Uh, and uh, it's great. Thank you so much for, uh, for including me. Likewise. Thank, thanks a lot. That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.hattasass.com. And we will see you next time.